0: So, it's great to have new additions, it's great to have visitors, and it's great to have returners. And um, uh, we thank the Lord for each and every one of you that are here. Um, we are, as uh, family church, uh, just just in case you're here and you're here for the first time, or you, I've never said this in, in your hearing, family church are a group of congregations. We are one church with multiple campuses, multiple Locations. Portsmouth were, um, if you like, the spearhead, and they're celebrating their 25th uh, anniversary this year, and, and I think that's a great achievement. Um, the, next month is the, the 25th anniversary of Family Church. We were the first plant of Family Church uh, as Family Church Gospel, um, mm-hmm. and then there are other locations, Haven't, Waterside, Waterlooville, um, Philippines, and I, I may have missed some. But there we go. You know There are multiple campuses, but we are one church. And on occasions, um, what we do is we begin a series of thought that we will all share together. Uh, we did it recently with the, the financial one and, and the kingdom economics, and we are now starting a new series of thought as congregations. Um, but they will all come from each pastor in a different way. Um, and I think that's the key thing, that, that we, are, we will express um, these views and thoughts from our heart, um, but but as family church, we're all doing this together. So if you if if a particular subject over the next few weeks really inspires you or interests you, you might want to go online and listen to the other congregations and hear how one of the other pastors has shared and preached that same message or a similar message with the same title. That's probably what I'm trying to say. Um, And what we're going to do is we're going to look at the family values. Um, If you've been in family church for any length of time, um, 10 years ago, believe it or not, was the last time we spoke about our family values. Um, And there's been many people who have joined since then, or you weren't around and you didn't hear all of those family values. So um, as a congregation, we are going to go back through our family values and see what they, they mean to us. And what they should mean to us as a church. Um, so the first thing I really want to do is establish what is a value. Uh, what do we, what do you as an, as an individual class as a value in your life? Um, what is what is a value? And, and I've come across this definition in the dictionary and it says this. It is the regard that something is held with importance or has a specific worth. It is the principles or the standards of one's behavior, one's judgments of what is important in life. And as church, there are things that we believe are really important in the Word of God that we receive in and, and live out. The Word of God is complete and everything in it is important. Let me underline that. But there are 12 areas that we really take a hold and say, this is who we are. This is, if someone asks you, and someone asked me yesterday, I was at a commissioning service yesterday, and someone asked me, so what church, what sort of a church are you? Well, I could have gone down, uh, we're Pentecostal because we believe in the Holy Spirit, so we're Pentecostals. Yes, we are. Um, we're also Baptists because we baptize in immersion. So we, we baptize... Um, Under the water, we believe in baptism. Uh, So we could be classed as Baptists. So we're Baptists and and Pentecostals. We could also be Methodists, because we also live by a method of how we do church. And Methodism came from a great method of doing things back in the early um, 18th, 17th century. We could say we are many different kinds of church. Actually, what we are, we are Bible-believing people, who are called Christians who live by the way that Jesus taught. But most unbelievers wouldn't quite get that. So, you know, this is who we are. Do you know what? As families, um, as a family unit or as uh, a couples, you have values. Um, there may be certain things on TV, if, if they come on, that you hold as a value and you would go and turn the TV off. That's a value. There is a standard Families build a culture of values, and I found this definition. Values give families an outlook on life, a way to view the world and their situations as well as an identity. Values can also add to relationships and influence judgments, behaviors, and parenting styles. Family values serve as the core of what family members do and the opinions that they have. So family values, the, what you say you know, as mums and dads in the room, this is what we say and this is what you do. You're saying to your child, this is what we value and therefore you're going to do it. This is how it's going to be in our household. You may have said that to your child already. This is how it is in our household. When you're old enough to leave, you can do what you like. Mum's not here. She said that to me. Whilst I'm here, you do as you're told. When you leave, it's up to you how you live. I wonder how many times that's been passed down through the generations. Do you remember that as well, Pete? Yeah, yes. So if we have family values, there are also values that you would get from society. Social values. Social values have a system of, of value in certain things. Social values would be Peace, justice, freedom, equality, or improving or bettering our community. That's what some people would say are the social values. Your workplace, the likelihood is your workplace has a value system. Always doing your best. Or working, if you have to work in teams, working as a team. Or finding opportunities to express your ideas and creativity or treating your co-workers or members of the public customers with the same manner as you would want to be treated. That actually is a biblical. Do unto others as you would want them to do to you. Um, But there are workplace values. There are also few, but there are some, moral values in society, society today. Those things that we consider right and wrong. We are getting to a stage in our world that the Bible says that which is good will be called wicked and that which is wicked will be called good. We are getting to that place in our world today. If you look on, you look on the news, media, social media, you'll see that very much, You know, a few years ago, if something really cool happened, people would say, that's wicked. No, that's, that's really good. That's not wicked. That's good. But we're living in an age where what was right is now wrong, and what was wrong is now right. You can see that in relationships. You can see that in many areas of life. That's where I'm going. But these things are moral values that we and society should keep in, be, uh, in, in our hearts. Being honest and trustworthy. That should be a, a moral value for all of us. Taking personal responsibility. When we see something, when there's something that we could get involved in to help, taking that responsibility. Being compassionate towards others. Do you know what? There is less and less compassion in our world today than there probably has been at any time that I've ever known in my life and in the lives of those who are older. Being respectful and considerate. Do you know what? The Bible Bible speaks about these things and yet it was written 2,000 years ago. It is the most relevant book in the 21st century that you could ever buy in a library or in a bookshop. The Bible is the most relevant book of all. It is the most bought book. It is also the most stolen book of all time. It's amazing, isn't it? It's the good, the good news of Jesus Christ, the good book, but it's the most stolen book of all time. So society around us, and in your workplace, society, and all the rest of it, they recognize that there is a value system that they need to live by, or ought to live by, or... Or try and get by those value systems, um, but then feel terrible that they've broken a moral law or a system in their life. But we as a church also have a spiritual value system. What we live up to through the spiritual values of what we hold dear to our heart. And sometimes I think we forget what those systems or what those values are. And because we forget, then we begin to live as we please and do as we please. But God puts certain things in place for us to live up to. The world and the Christian value system collide. Very often they collide. I've got a few thoughts here, how the world and the Christian and how we view values collide. Kindness and respect for all. That should be a Christian value instead of power and success at any cost. The world doesn't care who it treads over to get to where it wants to. But we should have a kindness and a respect for others. Regardless of where we want to get to and how we get there, we should walk with kindness and respect. How about humility instead of status and position? We should humble ourselves rather than going for status and position. Honesty and generosity rather than personal gain. These are simple things, but we can so easily forget these when we... How does it go? Don't, don't get so easily conformed to the things of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. It's so easy to become conformed to what everybody else is doing. Speaking the way everybody else does. Behaving how everybody else does. Blending in rather than standing out. You, you as a Christian have been called to stand out in this world. Let your light so shine amongst men, not hidden under a basket. The way we live, the way we speak, the way we behave, the way we respect authority, the way we talk about other people, all of that should be seasoned with salt and in the light that if it was God we were speaking about, that's how we should speak about our employer not that we reverence and like God, but actually we, the Bible says we work unto men, but we work as it, as it were before God. And it's very, very clear that we can become so clouded like the world around us, but we're not meant to be. We're meant to be transformed by the power of God. So I just really want to encourage you um, in those things. Self-control instead of self-indulgence. You know, it's again, it's very easy to, to forget self-control for a little while and think, I'm going to just self-indulge. Forgiveness instead of revenge. As Christians, we need to walk with forgiveness in our heart. As Jesus said, as you have been forgiven, so you must forgive those who have trespassed against you. It's not, easy. I'm not What I'm not saying is, this is easy. But what I am saying is we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Not like for like, but when someone persecutes you, you love. When someone abuses, you forgive. When someone does something, you choose God's way. Not the easy way, but God's way, because it sets you free. It's not easy to do, but it's the right thing to do. The earliest value system. That I could find in the Bible. Goes way back into the Old Testament. And in the book of Exodus chapter 20. We see the first value system. That God positioned for man to begin to try and live by. They couldn't live by it. But he said here are the value system that I believe in. Do you know what that is? The Ten Commandments. That was the first value. He said, I know you can't, and I'm going to come and fulfill them all. But you need something that's going to be positioned to stop you from sinning. Sin abounded on the earth. And he said, you've got to have something that is going to restrain you and restrict you and give you a value system. And because of time, and the kids' church, I know they're having a party. I'm not going to read the whole of the Ten Commandments, all right? It will come up on your screen. I'm just going to dot around them because it's a large passage of Scripture. And verse 1, it says, And God spoke... We haven't read the Ten Commandments in church for I don't know how many years. So I was so wanting. But anyway, And God spoke these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. Isn't it God that... Isn't it good that God brings you out of a place of bondage? Trust Him if you're in a place of bondage for God to bring you out. Hang on. It says in verse 3, You shall have no other gods before me. Commandment number one. You shall not make uh, for yourselves any carven image or anything um, that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath. You shall not have any um, God before me. Then it says, you shall t- not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Can I just underline that one? When you say, oh God, you are taking the name of the Lord your God in vain. When you say, oh God, that was a good day. You're taking the name of the Lord your God in vain. I know in some cultures it seems so easy and so flippant and so... Let's bring reverence to the name of the Lord our God. And let's not just, again... Like the world around us, use the name of God in such a flippant or unreverent way. His name is above every other name. Let's reverence His name. Ten Commandments it says that you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord Himself will hold Him, uh, sorry, for the Lord will not hold Him guiltless who takes His name in vain. All right? It's there. Um, Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. It doesn't matter what age you are. Honor your father and mother. That your days may be long upon the earth. Uh, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not cover your neighbor's house. You can say, oh, I like their house, or I like their car, or I like this. This doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't mean, it means you shall not cover. I'm going to, if you've got that house, I'm going to live like the Joneses and try and keep up with what you're doing. I'm going to have a car that's better than your car. No, 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 let's, let's, live, let's live with appreciation of what others may have. Nothing wrong with that. But when your life becomes so consumed that you've got to earn and you've got to gain and you've got to be better, God says, no, that's not the way to live. Um, uh, And and, and then it just keeps on going and going. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings and the lightning and the flashing. All the people of Israel, three million of them. We're talking about witnesses who saw what was taking place, three and a half million plus Now, all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning, the flashes, and the sound of the trumpet, and the mountains smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled. I bet they did. It's like they just encountered God. And they stood afar off. See, difference between New Testament and Old Testament, they stood afar off. Right now, God says... Come to me, and I will come to you. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. And, and the God of the Old Testament is revealed as a loving God in the New Testament. Then God said to Moses, speak to us. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us, and, and we will hear. But let God speak. Don't let God speak with us, lest we die. It's like, how, do we have that kind of awe for God in our generation, That was the first value system that was given to man to live by. And it's still, right across the world, it is still used as a value system. The American Constitution, I believe, was based on the Ten Commandments of the law that was given to Moses. Okay, they've watered it down and flitted it away, but at some point it was based upon the Ten Commandments. British government was based on the Ten Commandments. How important it is for us to look at it and say, there's a value system in the Word of God. There's another value system. I'm just going to go through a couple of these. In Matthew's Gospel, we see Jesus on the scene and he's speaking and he's probably preached what many theologians believe is the greatest message or oriental... Or- that's not the right word. orator he orated. Oh, that's not a word either, I don't suppose, but there we go. He spoke these words, and it's known as the greatest speech ever. And it's the Beatitudes, or the values in which Jesus was saying we need to live by. You, have, you look through the Word, there are so many of these that I think, as I was looking this week, I think, that's so good. I've not really seen it as a value system, but it is. And Jesus was saying these things, Matthew 5, uh, 1-12, to and he says, um, And seeing the multitude, he went up on the mountain, and when he was seated, his, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What is he saying? These are the values. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will receive. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when you are reviled and, pers- pers- and people persecute you, and they say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice. And be exceedingly glad. If you've got someone in your workplace who speaks negatively about you in your life, in your circumstance, this scripture right here is for you. Blessed are they when they revile and persecute you and say all kind of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's a value system. It's the greatest preach that Jesus ever did. But it's actually portraying how we should live and the standards in which we live by. Galatians 5 is another one. In Galatians 5 we read these value systems that are revealed about the spiritual heart of who we are now that we're in Christ. We can only receive these. We, people can be merciful. People can be compassionate. People can... Because it's a value system. But when there's an internal change, this is something quite different. And in Galatians chapter 5, 22, this happens when we are one with Christ in our life. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. This is the spiritual standard or value system in our life. The, Spirit, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. There is nothing, When you walk according to these values that are now ours because of our connection to Christ, there is no law that can come against us. If we live according to this principle. And I think it's absolutely incredible. There is value system after value system after value system. And I want to read one more. And that's in Second Peter chapter 1. Because this is the value system of personal spiritual growth. And in many senses, it's the most important for us to live by. Ten commandments, absolutely brilliant. The Beatitudes, absolutely brilliant. The fruit of the Spirit, which is produced by the Holy Spirit in us, absolutely brilliant. But this one is about us taking responsibility and living out and walking through. Second Peter 1 says this, verse 5. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, Perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. Can you see the value system? That the Peter now is trying to get... Paul has said it one way. Jesus has said it another way. God spoke to Moses and put it another way. But here Peter is saying, if you want your personal spiritual growth, your spiritual maturity to go from one level to another... This is how you do it. You add and you add and you add. There are too many Christians who get saved. They journey for a period of time. And then they just, it's almost like they come become couch potato Christians. You know, I've, I've, I've got it. I've done it. I've got the t-shirt. I, I know I'm going to heaven. But there's no spiritual growth or desire to know more. But here it says, add and add and add and add. And then it says, for if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten what he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. How many, how many Christians do we know who stumble? Is it because they have forgotten to add to their faith virtue? They've forgotten to add to their life the things that the word of God... Because the word of God is true. The word of God is absolute. We can't change it. We can water it down, but God's word still remains the truth. He says, you will never stumble. So therefore, we've got to look back in this particular scripture and say, okay, people do stumble. Why? It's got to be because they're not adding these things to their life. And if we're adding these things to our life, we will never, as the word God says, We will never stumble. Let me just read it again. Add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. How often do we say things, but we don't say things in love? Perhaps that's one of the reasons why we stumble. I just, this this passage shows the value, the value system of personal spiritual growth. And we need to add these things to our life. But what do we as a church and what do we as individuals value? And I think it's really important that I've talked about value systems, values in the world, values through the word. But what does family church stand for? What are our family values so for the next 12 weeks we're going to look at these and these are the we are okay you can add many more and we can probably go through the bible for the next five years saying we are this and we are that but we are we are taking 12 and these are the we are's we are christ-centered we are commissioned we are disciples We are empowering. We are Bible-believing. We are spiritual. We are worshippers. And if you're a worshipper, tonight we have our worship night. And, you know, we we spend an hour and a half just worshipping God together. And if that's something that you'd like to be a part of, you know, we have 20, 30 of people turn out. And we just, there's no other agenda except to say, God, we want to worship you for who you are, because you are worthy of our worship. We are worshipers. We are family. And we really believe that, I was talking to, to Jerry before the meeting, how important this family unit are. When I see George here, who George often isn't able to be here, but when I see George here, my heart lifts with joy. Because... I love George. George, as a brother that is, right? And not like my brother brother, but my brother in the Lord, the filio love of God. The brotherhood, the brotherhood of church life. That actually in the last days, when we need each other like we've never needed each other before, George would lay down his life for me and I would lay my life down for him. Have we got to that place where we love one another with that kind of love? Probably not yet. But as the day approaches, when the second coming of God comes, when second coming of Jesus comes upon this earth, and the persecution of the church and the persecution of Christians begins to mount against you and my life. We need a Marius. I need a Marius in my life. Who may be able to take my family in because I've been wheeled off to prison? I, 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 need, I need some guy in my life who may be able to say, I can, I can take some of your grandkids. We don't know what those days are going to look like. But if there's a time when we need to build family into the very, the very DNA of who we are, it's now that we start building, not when the storm has arrived. Not when they're wheeling me off to prison for something that I've said, or something that we stand for as a church, and you come to church the next week, oh, where's Pastor Jeff? I didn't even know it happened. That we are so knitted together in our love one for another, that if one hurts, we all hurt. Because that's how the New Testament church, the early New Testament church, society has divided us, the world system has defragmatized the church so that we're all in our little pockets. We all do our little family things, our life things, but we forget that we are the body of Christ. And as a body, we need to work together, live and move and operate spiritually together so that in the last days, we can rely on one another till death do us part. And I believe those days are coming upon the church. And if you read the Bible, you'll see that those days will be coming upon the church. One day. I'm not not a doom and gloom merchant. They're not going to happen next week, I hope. But we are living in the last days. Paul in the Bible says he was living in the last days. We are now living in the last of the last days. We need that love as family to flow through our hearts. That's going to be week eight. Servant. We are servant-hearted. That's the reason why I asked you to fill out the forms before you leave the room. That we are servant-hearted. We are a giving back to the house kind of church. This building isn't the church. We are the church. And when you say, I'm going to church, you're not saying, I'm going to the building you're saying, I'm going to be with my brothers and sisters and we lay down our life for one another, whether that's serving in kids, in hospitality, or any other department of church life. We are community-minded. And we are community-minded. We give hundreds, we give thousands of pounds worth of stuff away to our community every single month. It's incredible the 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 favour that's been upon our community efforts. We are responsive and we are honourable. And I just really feel that these next 12 weeks, as talking about not only our family values, but this is what we are. This is who I am. You, you, You look through those 12, and I'd like to hope that you can identify in me every single one of those, because that's who I am. That's who we are as family church. I've been part of family church now for 18 years. And, and the heart of who I am is family church. And I have to deal with the good, the bad, the ugly. They have to deal with the good, the bad, and the ugly of who I am. But who I am is number one, Christ-like. I am his and he is mine. He lives in me and I live for him. But I live to serve the house of God called family church. That's where God's positioned me. It's not who I am. It's his positioning in my life. And he's positioned you to be a part of that journey as well. So these 12, I believe, are going to be incredible. Because each message is a standalone. But each one also identifies who we are as a whole. So if you miss a week, you won't miss it all. And you can listen online. But try and be here for as many of these as you can. I'm very aware that perhaps in some senses it is almost like an introduction to where we're going. But actually the value system through the word of God is there. Is who we are. And this morning if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. You've never invited Jesus. You've never acknowledged his death on a cross You've never said, Jesus, forgive me of my sin, my mistakes, the things that I've done wrong in my life. You've never accepted his forgiveness in your life. I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. I did that many years ago, and there are many in this room who have come to that place at the cross and said, I can't live without you. I can't save myself, but I know that you died upon a cross to save me. So I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. What I'd like you to do is to pray that prayer with me. We're going to ask everybody to pray it nice and loud. It's what we do every single week. I want you to pray it nice and loud because there may be someone in the room. There may be a number of people. You may have come to church for months, but you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior personally. I want to give you that opportunity today. So let's pray this simple prayer. Jesus I come to you today and I acknowledge your death upon the cross was for me to take my sin, to, to pay the penalty for my life. I thank you from the bottom of my heart that today I can receive that forgiveness. I want you to be my Lord and Saviour. I'm asking you to come into my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why well, every head is bowed and every eye closed in this room today. If you prayed that prayer, I'm not asking that you understood everything I said or that you have a wonderful knowledge of the Bible. What I'm asking is if you prayed that prayer sincerely in your heart what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you just to pop up your hand and pop it back down if you prayed that prayer one two three if you prayed that prayer right now could you pop up your hand this morning thank you I see your hand is there anybody else in this room you say yes that's me I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. I want him to make a difference in my life. Is there anybody else in this room you say, yeah, that's me. I need Jesus. I'm going to count down from five. If that's you, please feel free to put up your hand. Five, four, three, two. One father, I thank you for every person in this room. Lord, you know our hearts. You know the good, the bad, and the ugly about every single one of us. I thank you, Lord, that you are our help and our strength. And I pray, Lord, that we as individuals would take a hold of your word and and just receive the engrafted word into our heart today of the value. The value system that you have in your word. And Lord, what you want to do in our lives through it. Father, I thank you for every young person and every child in our kids' church. Lord, we pray for them. And we ask, Lord, this day that even though they may be having fun in Kids Church and, and graduating out of Kids Church, Father, I pray that you would be so real to every single one of them, Lord, that they would never walk away from you, that they would have a childlike faith that grows and develops, and Lord, that there is such a joy that this world will not stain their life, but they would live separate from this world,